You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 56 of Sticks in the Six. I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, here with my co-host, Peter Barracchini. And, Peter, this week we're down a man. Alex Hobson's out, not with an injury, just uh, <laughs> other priorities going on right now. So we this show does go on, however. Uh, we've mm-hmm. got some big signings to talk about this week. We're going to look at the Pacific Division prior to the season getting started here. And, uh, obviously, you know, Leaf Camp is is done and uh, we're getting ready for puck drop this this week. But uh, I want to start it off first with, how are you doing? Days away from puck drop. I, I, it can't come soon enough, but I'm doing good. Um, I mean, Thanksgiving Day weekend um, in up here in Canada. So I, I, whenever like a holiday comes, my family, we tend to do it, you know, early on so we at least have the rest of the week long weekend to just sit back relax let our you know digestive system work itself out after eating so much and i was in a massive food coma on saturday and so we had that but then we kind of had sort of like our griswold christmas slash thanksgiving kind of thing because hours after we ate we had a massive power outage in our area and it was down for four hours so uh, I was watching The Shining, didn't get to the good part, missed the whole entire Leaf game until I watched it until power came back on. So, uh, yeah, a really good, solid Thanksgiving Day weekend. How about you, man? Yeah, I mean, uh, Thanksgiving, I think it's the first time in, in like two years that we're technically allowed to celebrate with family. So yes, to all the Canadians out there, happy Thanksgiving. Um, you know, we had uh, we had the one down in Oakville uh yesterday so that would have been saturday uh i got mm-hmm. to see my fit my parents and my little awesome. guy got to see his Gigi, which is his great grandmother so <laughs> that was uh good good for good for both of them um but uh yeah I, you know what the, the crazy thing is is every year uh whether it be christmas easter whatever all those big meals i always tell myself you know what i'm not going to eat that much this time i'm, I'm going <laughs> to try and just take one plate and you know get a little bit of everything but not uh not fill myself up where it's like uncomfortable to drive afterwards right yeah and yet every single year and i thought you know i thought i did pretty good rationing my portions this time mm-hmm. and uh yet again the drive home was uncomfortable <laughs> um i felt like the you know i was you talk to my wife she'll tell you i was fidgety the whole time but it's oh, like man. uh it's one of those things where it's like you just you just can't stop eating because it's such amazing food so mm-hmm. We have another one tomorrow here in London, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that uh, I can follow my own rule and try and, you know, maybe maybe eat a little less. But we'll see how that goes. Definitely. And even like during the, the pandemic, I thought I did a good job holding myself back on like not overdoing it. And the one time where we're allowed to go out and see family the one time i think i didn't overdo it i overdid it so yeah i'm in, in that exact same boat as you right now <laughs> oh yeah no it's 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 unreal how 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 crazy we get caught up in that uh, that you know people are with people conversations happening and all of a sudden you're like you know 
two servings of stuffing deep and, and, and you know, you just know with that last spoonful, you're going to feel it later, but it, it still doesn't stop us. Yeah. That's my weak. That's my weakness and extra spoonful of the stuffing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and you know, who's going to be able to buy a lot of stuffing this, uh, this coming year or actually for the next eight years is Alexander Barkov. Yeah. Um, but we're going to jump right into some big signings here because there was two big contracts handed out over the last week. Alexander Barkov, eight years, 10 million per, and Mika Zibanejad uh, also signed with the Rangers, and that's going to basically take the Rangers right out of uh, of contention for a possible Jack Eichel trade. Uh, again, we we have no idea in this sen- on this side what's going on with the Jack Eichel trade, but the Rangers will no longer be in- included in that. Um, he's uh, Zibanejad signed an eight-year deal. Uh, worth 8.5 million per so two big contracts uh your thoughts on both of these deals um barkov worth the term worth the money i mean this is like reigning selkie trophy winner right so and when is the last time that you found like a selkie trophy winner that like cracked the 100 point mark in his career obviously it was like a few years back but this is a guy who's capable of hitting that mark consistently. And, you know, 96 in 2018-19, on pace for 74 uh, before the pandemic hit. And in 2020-21, over an 82-game span, or adjusted for 82 games, 88 points. Solid on both sides of the puck, offensively and defensively. I, I have no issue giving him 10 mil over eight years. So given that, give him the max term. That money is good. Um, and you know what? They 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 look their contract situation is pretty solid. I mean, looking at possible UFAs that could possibly be moved out. You got young prospects coming up like Anton Lundell, who's going to be on his ELC. Um, I mean, you have some players like Alexi Hapinoyemi who's going to need a contract soon, but you also have Grigory Denisenko, Justin Sordis, uh, Sarah Noel as well. So you know what? This whole contract is going to look, I mean, maybe not so much down the line because a lot of unpredictability, but you have to fork it over to your captain, your ton number one center. It, it's, it's, you can't argue against that. It had to be done. Yeah, it's... You know, Barkov for the longest time was probably considered one of the more underrated players in the league. And yeah. I mean, some of that comes from playing with for a team where, you know, maybe their draw is not as big as, you know, big markets like the Leafs or, or you know, Montreal or, or even New York. But, um, you know, eight years, 10 million. He's your guy. He's he's the guy that's mm-hmm. been there. He's, he's been through the lows. And now now you've got a team that is very scary. Like you're talking about Ekblad coming back healthy. You're talking about Barkov. You're talking about Spencer Knight, Net, uh, possibly chasing uh, Bobrovsky. Um, you know, you mentioned Anton Lindell, uh, another solid prospect, potentially could make an impact this season. Um, you know, they just traded for Ole Ulevi, uh, mm-hmm. another another guy that could potentially, you know, if he reaches that ceiling that he he had when he was drafted, he could be a guy that maybe steps in as a as a four, five, or six on on that back end. So. This is a scary, scary Florida Panthers team. And we talked about it in our Atlantic Division preview, um, you know, a few episodes back. But if if they can, you know, perform to the level that they have on paper, 
this is a team that could push Tampa in, in that Atlantic division as a one, two. Um, and you know, with, with Barkov locked up, he he's playing for the money now. Um, you know, he, he's, he's not going anywhere and, uh, you know, he's going to, he's going to have his head in the game and it, it could be scary to watch what he can do in Florida this season. Yeah, we didn't even mention Jonathan Huberto making less than six and Sam Reinhart, despite being on a bad Buffalo Sabres team with one of the top performers and, and, and Jumbo Joe. Yeah. So you, you they they got a solid core in their top six. They got great depth, even with Anthony Duclair and even former Maple Leaf prospect Carter Hagee, who just bursted off onto the scenes uh, the past few seasons. So. Yeah, they, they, they're in a really good spot right now. And I, I honestly think they're going to end up second. I, I really do. Yeah, no, it, it's going to be very interesting to see what they're able to do. Um, down in New York, Mika Zibanejad, 8.5 mil per season over the next eight years. Uh, he's been a guy that, you know, even he's had a little bit of consistency issues. And he really mm-hmm. he really burst on the scene a couple seasons ago. Uh, big, uh, big offensive year for him. Um, and then last, even last season, I mean, he put up some solid numbers, but two of those games or two of the, two of the games that he played, he had, you know, kind of marginalized numbers where he, he overperformed essentially and, and kind of inflated his totals a little bit. So 8.5 million, you know, this is a team that eventually is going to have to sign out. Capo Caco. Um, you know, Adam Fox to a, to a major deal. Um, you've got the two goalies in net and Shesterkin and, um, uh, Georgiev. What, what do you see this? How do you see this impacting the New York Rangers signing this contract with, uh, Zibanejad? Uh, yeah, interesting scenario. Cause I mean, it's going to look great right now for maybe the next four or five years, but maybe that, five to eight year range that's when maybe it's going to get a little bit dicey for them because yeah like you mentioned great numbers but yeah consistency issues and maybe even based on like the linemates that he's playing with obviously i think um him and panarin are that go-to so he's playing with an elite winger right there maybe the stats are padding up because he is playing with a great winger and panarin um uh, it, it, it is going to be interesting because, like you mentioned, the RFA situation is going to come down to the fact that, yeah, you're going to have to pay up for Adam Fox. You already have $8 million locked into Jacob Truba. Um, Ryan Lindgren making a decent amount of $3 mil. Patrick Nemeth, you have him two point five for the next two years after this season. And but then down the line, like you said, you, you know, Longfist looks really good. It looks like he's cracking the roster. Andre Miller solid for uh first season as well so uh, a lot of unknowns and i hope that they're prepared to have a plan in place when it gets to that year five area or even uh, i'm sorry it's coming up shortly it's coming up in about the next two three seasons so uh yeah gonna have to make some decisions i think the only one that you really need to work on is adam fox you could try and work around players that still haven't made an impact like Lungfist, like Miller. Um, you really need to focus on, and even Capo Caco too. You need to focus on Fox, Caco, and Lafreniere as your main priorities to try and get a contract done. So that way you can spread some of that wealth out and not just be 
I, I mean, not, no one's going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs with front-loaded contracts of their forwards, but y- you got to balance it out, and I hope that they can get it done. Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, a lot of these contracts now, they're kind of done so that players can be bought out in those later years of the of the contract. And I, 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 I'm not saying that's, that's what's going to happen here with Zibanejad, but I would not be surprised if it comes to that at some point. Um, just because of, of some of the players that they still need to lock down uh, long term. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's undeserving the contract. I think what he's done in New York uh, definitely definitely is why he, he started his career in Ottawa and, and what they expected from him. But, um, you know, $8.5 million, it'll look a lot better when the cap goes up. Let's just say that. Yeah. In, in three, three to five years when the cap goes up significantly, that's good. that contract's going to look like an absolute steal. Um, and you know, we'll be talking about it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, another point is contract. He's got a no movement clause. Yes. And it's the whole I, entire contract. So you're going to have to, if you, they feel the need to move on from him where they maybe can't afford the 5.7. Well, they're probably, they're richer organization, so they could afford to fork over the bonuses and everything like that. But uh, if it comes to a point where his play is declining and they need to move on from him and it's not worth the contract anymore, they're going to either have to retain some of that back and then move on. So, yeah, another one, one more important thing to note about that. Yeah, I mean, I could be wrong, but uh, I believe it's a modified no, tra- no movement clause in the final two seasons. So the first six okay. years is a complete no trade clause. I yes. believe 21, it's modified. 21 team no trade list. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I believe it's modified in those last two years. But uh, speaking of trades, we did mention it a little bit earlier. Ole Levy was moved from Florida to, uh, sorry, from Vancouver to Florida. Um, in return, the Panthers gave up Yuho Lamico and Noah Juleson. And you and I were kind of talking a little bit before the uh, before we started recording here. Um, both Juleson and Levy are kind of or have kind of underperformed for what was expected from them when they were first originally drafted. Obviously, Yulevi, a fifth overall pick in 2016 for Vancouver, has played just 23 games, um, all coming last season with three points to show for it. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, Juleson, again, 24 years old, he's played 48 games over three seasons with Montreal and Florida. Uh, his most uh, coming in in 2017-18 when he played 23 games and had three points to show for it. So um, whether injuries are, are are at play here, I know we discussed that. Uh, kind of an insignificant deal at this point until these two can show kind of what they are made of. Yeah, and especially Yulevi too. I think there's still hope for him to try and turn it around. I think time is running out for Juleson, even though he's just a year older than Yulevi. But interesting scenario for both. I mean, I, I, I the Panthers picked up Juleson on waivers, I believe, and now they just traded him and flipped him and got possibly another good, not necessarily reclamation project, but sort of that change of scenery thing. And with already a really solid and deep defensive unit on the back end, I mean, you mentioned Aaron Eckblatt's coming back, Mackenzie Weaker, one of the more underrated names, Marcus Univara, I really love. Um, Radko Gudis as well. So you already have a very deep and I would say a veteran defensive presence on that back end because they've all had 
significant time play time in the NHL. They could help him out through any situation that, you know, he, he's basically coming in as, you know, a rookie. He's only played 23 games, less than 25 that people usually have that threshold for a rookie mark. And maybe this is the turning point. Maybe he can learn a few tips from Ekblad, from Uyghur, from Gudis, uh, and, you know, hopefully turn his career around because he was very promising. It's just he's been dealt a really bad hand, and I just hope that he, he finds some consistency because he was really dominant for the London Knights, and I'm pretty sure you've seen him quite a bit as well. So um, really hoping he could find his footing. And same thing with Juleson, too. Um, just unfortunate for both players who had really promising careers. Um, for him, I hope he can turn it around as well because – it, for the Vancouver Canucks right now, roster is Juleson even like does he even have the potential to even crack what they have right now? So there's that aspect as well. If he's going to probably stay in the minors, so like you said, probably looking at a minor league deal until we see any form of substance or potential from both players. Yeah, no, absolutely, and uh, we'll we'll definitely keep an eye on that. I, I do think there's a high ceiling still for these two players. Mm-hmm. Obviously, at 23, 24, times a little bit, you know, times running out a little bit for them, but uh, um, something that we definitely will keep an eye on. I do want to mention um, before we keep going going here, um, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, but HC Donvis and uh, Jalen Smerick mm-hmm. uh, reached a mutual agreement to terminate his contract. Um, that's something that we didn't uh, we didn't kind of think about bringing up here, but we do want to mention it. Uh, obviously, he mentioned that he will not play another game in the Ukraine Ukrainian Hockey League until Deniskin was uh, was uh, rem- you know obviously suspended by the uh, by the league and and taken out of the league. But uh, just something that we we thought worth noting as well. We hope that uh, Smerik can can land in a in a better situation for himself and uh maybe the ukrainian hockey league can can learn from this and and hopefully grow from this at some point uh but by the by the punishment that was handed out that is very unlikely yeah i mean keyword is hope you hope they learn from this i i don't think that they will because again the player that was the victim in all this should not have to have his contract terminated and find work elsewhere. Like, do you not see a problem here? Like, what are they even doing? It's, again, it it was baffling then, it's baffling now. I just hope that uh, Samara can find work at uh, some point over here or in another league because it's not worth it, but it should not have to come to the victim having to suffer and find work elsewhere it's it's just really beyond me yeah no 100 um i do want to i do want to note one more thing before we move on to our pacific uh breakdown here um this one kind of hit hit uh you know twitter and all all the news headlines are midway through the week and um carrie price checked himself into the player assistance program uh voluntarily mm-hmm. uh the program was i believe initiated in I want to say 2006, I could be wrong, um, just to help players deal with mental health issues, uh, deal with uh, substance abuse issues, um, and any sort of stuff like that. And, uh, you know, we're not going to sit here and speculate. And, and I hope that I hope that people kind of give the Price family their, their privacy and 
can understand that this is this is a human being that's dealing with whatever he's dealing with and we hope uh you know we hope carrie's doing well we hope that uh you know his wife angela is doing well the kids are doing well and that yeah. uh, you know he can get back to a place where he's you know he's feeling like himself and and that's what's important and um again we won't speculate what's going on but um to carry price he's the one montreal canadian i said i'd put on my wall and uh you know i stand by that i think he he's played the game with class he he's uh he's a guy that kind of leads by example and everything he's done one moment that i will never take away like i will you know it will never leave my mind is when he hugged that kid who had just lost his mom yeah and uh that to me just showed me what kind of person Carey price was and um because of that i hope i hope that this is you know just a small bump in the road is for him as a human being and forget hockey for the time being forget hockey that's not even important um just find your way back to to some normalcy here yeah i mean you like you said forget about hockey i mean toronto opens up against montreal and it's going to be really tough to not see him be in the crease for the start of the season i mean like you said, like if there's one player I would one have I would hang up on my wall, aside from you know the legends, Beliveau, Lafleur, uh, Richard, Price is the current player that you would want to have. I, I, and I, I don't care as a Maple Leaf fan like you, I would have a Carey Price jersey hung up in my room somewhere or at some point. Um, yeah, and, and and even going back to last week too, when we talked about what what was going on with Robin Leonard and how he was calling out the league about you know about what he what he said on Twitter. Um, you could go back and listen to the episode about that because we had a really good lengthy discussion. This is why he was fighting for players like Jack Eichel and even Carey Price right now to have the mental health and the well being of the players be at the forefront. Um, it, it, it's really difficult considering the fact that, you know, like I said, we see, we've seen him time and time again, be the backbone of the team, be the leader, be the heart of that franchise. And now he's not there. I obviously he's going to be there in spirit until he, he, he's okay. And he's able to come back. But until then it's going to be difficult for them. It's going to be difficult for everybody not seeing one of the best goaltenders in the league right now play in the game and it's it's hard it, it really is and like you said i just hope he gets the help that he needs uh, he takes the time for himself because you know what yeah we watch them as players we watch them as fans but you know what they're humans too they're like you and me they go through their own problems and they need to address it and hockey is on the back seat at this moment he's thinking about himself his family that's just the main important part at this point yeah, the one the one tweet I saw is is uh, I forget who who put it out there, but um, hockey players are human beings, and they mm-hmm. could not be more right. We we so often forget just how important um, you know m- the mental aspect of the game is, and um, a great story by uh, oh my gosh, I can't even think of who it was. Um, Dave Poulin, it was Dave Poulin. Yeah. Um, and he, he, he put it out there that, you know, one of the strengths of his game was to keep on going. Yeah. To get it done no matter what, to keep on going. And, you know, I, I think at this point, so many people realize 
that what what Price is doing in this in this point in time for his mental health, that is that's the strength to his game. Yeah. Um, whatever it is has been going on. Um, otherwise, it would not be you know an issue to the extent that it is. Um, it's been going on for some time, and to see him you know take that step and ask for help, um, that's the most important thing. And, and you know. It is going to be different not seeing him start the season with Montreal mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, you know, this is a guy with two young kids and and a wife who who count on him to to be there and and to be a part of of you know their lives going forward. And if that means stepping away from the game, that's exactly what he needs to do. Yeah. And and, and on top of all of that, I I do want to say like he he's been a voice for you know anybody who's been following the news in Canada knows what's been going on with you know, First Nations and Indigenous yes. uh, people. And, yeah. uh, you know, he, he's been a voice for them as well. And that is so, so, so important. Um, I, I, I really can't stress it enough being, you know, on the outside looking in uh, for him to, to be as important of a, of a role model and person that he has been to that community. Um, you know, he's really... He's really opened up a lot of eyes, and I hope I hope that he you know comes back stronger and and knows the support that he's got out there. Yeah, and it, obviously with the start of the season coming up, obviously hockey's second to the, all this. The Montreal Canadiens, I mean, they're going to be in tough because they're without their top goaltender and their top defenseman, you know, and Shea Weber as well. But you could rest assured that they're going to lay everything on the line for him. And they're gonna they're gonna put their best foot forward. Yeah, they're down two key players. It may not reflect it in the standings, but you can rest assured they're gonna play their hearts out no matter what. No, absolutely. I I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and uh, as always, we we wish Carey Price the best, and hopefully yes. hopefully he gets past this uh, quickly and back home, and and, and you know um, everything goes well for him. Mm-hmm. Um, one more note before the Pacific division, the Olympic top three were announced. Um, you know, obviously there's more to come on this, but, uh, any, any surprises for you? Um, a few, I'm, I, I'm kind of surprised that team USA picked, I mean, Seth Jones is going to be on the team. I'm kind of surprised that they didn't go with Adam Fox. I'm kind of surprised that team Canada picked Petrangelo over Nathan McKinnon. So you already have Crosby, McKinnon, and McDavid. Um, and also Team Denmark. I, I, I'm I'm really shocked that Frederick Anderson wasn't named as their starting goaltender right away. I mean, Bjorkstrand and Ehlers, well-deserved. True is probably going to be, Alexander True is probably going to be on the team as well. But I, I, I think Freddie probably deserves a nod based on what he's been able to accomplish in the league. So I, I, I think those three caught my eye, and I think maybe I would have done it a little bit differently. But, hey, they made, they, they made their picks. That's that. Yeah, was there any any kind of, like, stipulation on how they picked? Maybe I missed that, but um, you saw a lot of teams kind of go forward for defensemen. I mm-hmm. mean, obviously, Finland was a little bit different with Sebastian Ajo, Alexander Barkov, and Miko Branton. Um I guess the checks went three forwards as well. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, 
I, I I'm kind of with you on the Freddie thing. I, I understand that, you know, injuries have kind of played a role in his, his game over the last couple of seasons. The Petrangelo one surprised me again. I think McKinnon should be there. I, I think they almost kind of just put Petrangelo in there because they knew like, Hey, um, McKinnon's going to be there no matter what. So let's yeah. just throw, throw another name in there. But yeah, I mean, I didn't really get why there was this whole like name your first three players. I mean, I don't know. I just, it, it, it was always like, Hey, we're going to host a camp and, and, you know, then we're going to pick our team from there and we'll, we'll make cuts. And that was always the exciting part. Now you kind of, you took some of the excitement out of it for, yeah. for, you know, for some people, but you know, it is what it is. NHL players are going to the Olympics and, and hell, we should be, we should be excited about that. Yeah, even if we knew he who was going to make it, like we already knew they were a lock. I, I mean, yeah, just give us some fun. Like it's been a it's been f- like 2014 since we saw Olympic hockey, and they had to go and ruin it like that. Like, come on. But even reading the Olympics main page, they said that NHL and the league's players' association requested each team to select three players before the start. Doesn't say it has to be three forwards. Two forwards and a defenseman, two forwards and a goalie, three players. So I, it, it, there comes a, you know, criteria of that. I guess it's all just random based on what they thought. But yeah, let's let's just get to February. I want to see some major best on best hockey yeah, was, right now. It was almost like a Frank Cervelli with the Seattle Kraken, just releasing releasing <laughs> all the names. But, um, Fantastic job, though, Frank. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, he's doing his job. That's exactly what he's paid to do. And he did exactly (laughs) what he was supposed to do. So, I mean, you can't really fault the guy. Like, you know, he was taking so much criticism, so much much heat (laughs) online. And I was just like, man, like, the guy did an unbelievable job. Like, he went above and beyond, A+. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll I'll never understand that one, but um it is what it is uh let's let's jump over to the pacific division our last division to kind of get through before the season starts obviously the season kicks off on tuesday we're excited for puck drop on wednesday when our toronto maple Leafs will take on the rival montreal Canadiens. but the pacific division the seattle kraken will be making their debut on tuesday but we're going to start with the anaheim ducks the Anaheim Ducks, um, a little bit of a different team than what we're used to. Obviously, Getzlav still still there, signing a one-year deal. Uh, you see, like guys like Paterin sign a, a contract, Comtois, Jones, they all uh, sign contracts with the Ducks. Uh, Max Jones, that sh- I should say, there's so many Joneses in the <laughs> in the NHL. Uh, David Backus retired. He signed a one-year deal with with uh, St. Louis to kind of retire as a, uh, as a blue. So that was, you know, he's gone. Ryan Miller's gone. They still have, uh, you know, John Gibson and net, but you're going to be seeing guys like Trevor Zegras make their, uh, you know, potentially get a full season under their belt. Jamie Drysdale. Uh, I know I'm excited to watch him as he's part of my fantasy team. Um, <laughs> but uh, what, what do you think about the Anaheim Ducks? rebuilding team heading in the right direction. I mean, they, they got some really solid pieces already in the lineup right now in Zegers and Drysdale. More names coming up. McTavish looked really great during the preseason. Same with Jacob Parole. Um, yeah, they, they, this, this is a team that's just like, you know, 
go out and put your best foot forward. Obviously, they're going to compete no matter what, but you're not going to expect them to be in the running right away. Um, obviously, you still you want to try and figure out and try and maybe move on from uh, Jacob Silverberg and Adam Mahanrig, who are you know in the later stages or in their 30 plus years, but maybe you want to keep them on as sort of those leaders. Same with Ricard Raquel and Getzlaff. You need those guys on your team. Um, but yeah, I, 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 they're, they're definitely heading in the right spot. And if their defense could shore up and maybe, I guess that was a sticking point the last few seasons where John Gibson was the last line of defense after putting up solid numbers in the first four seasons before that, since 2015-16 up until 2018-19, he's had a save percentage above 920 three times in those four years. And then you start to see a decline in 1890 with 917, but 9, 0.904 and 903 in the last two seasons. Obviously, the Ducks weren't as competitive as they were as defense was a major um, issue for them. So hopefully, if they're able to get their defense going and Gibson get back on gets back on track, I think you got a team that not going to push for a playoffs, but but there's definitely one team that's going to play spoiler throughout the whole entire season and be a thorn in team sides. Yeah, I look, I think this team is going to be good in a couple of years. I mm-hmm. don't think they're there yet. Um, yeah. Guys on the back end, Kevin Shattenkirk, solid, solid guy on the back end. Josh Manson, obviously a solid guy on the back end. If he can stay healthy, Hampus Lindholm, uh, Cam Fowler, Jamie Drysdale. I'm ex- like I mentioned, I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, Trevor Zegras, Troy Terry, Sam Steele, like they're, they're for depth in terms of being a young team and what's, what their future holds. They're exciting. They're a team that, yeah. you know, give them two, three years to really get it going. You, you, you said it perfectly. They're a team that's rebuilding, but they're heading in the right direction. Silverberg, Raquel, uh, Mason McTavish, like this Mason McTavish, you know, I, I, I'm so excited to see this kid. I, I think oh, yeah. he's legitimately a power forward. He's going to play exactly like that. Um, it's going to, it's going to be crazy to watch him, him play as well. Uh, Adam Henrique, uh, Ryan gets We mentioned Max Comtois. He's another guy to, to keep an eye on, but this team is going to be good in a couple of years. They're not going to be a playoff team this season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's just one of those things. Like it takes a few years to rebuild. You're not getting the top picks, but you're getting a solid, solid core, and that's exactly what they need. And I think they're moving in the right direction. How fun is that power play going to be? Where you have Drysdale as the quarterback, uh, Zegers as the setup man, and then Mason McTavish just throwing those bombs, either in in the bumper slots uh, position or even on his strong side or on his off wing. How awesome is that going to be? Because he's got an NHL-ready shot already. Let's think about this. You got McTavish along the along the boards. You yep. got uh, Zegras as your setup man, as you mentioned. Drysdale on the on the point. You have let's let's throw Getzlav in the in the front of the net as as kind of your your Jason Spets of the Anaheim Ducks. Mm-hmm. And then you have either Troy, Troy Terry or Sam Steele as your as your other uh, as your other forward. Yeah. Um, that is going to be a scary, scary power play. You'd even replace Getzlav with maybe a guy like maybe you put Mason McTavish in front of the net and you throw Troy Terry on there as well. Mm. That that power play is going to be unbelievable. Um, it's going to be crazy to watch. Or maybe Raquel on the wing, Zegers bumper, 
McTavish off wing, Getzlaff. So you have you still have options to throw Raquel, Silverberg, or ha- or uh, Enrique onto that first unit as well until you have a good setup man in Sasha Passajov coming up, another strong shooter in parole. So yeah, they they are they are wealthy with talent, either five on five or on the man advantage. Yeah, no kidding. I I hope uh, Anaheim's GM is listening and and their coach is listening. So hopefully they can kind of put some of this into uh, fruition for us. But uh, definitely going to be a fun team to watch. Um, Let's jump north of the border for a second here and go Calgary Flames. And uh, Calgary is interesting in the sense that last season there seemed to be a little bit of turmoil. Uh, we saw the we saw the puck flip from Tuchuk to Muzzin. Uh, we saw the support of uh, you know what how the team didn't really back up Tuchuk on that play, and there was a lot of speculation that there, it created a little bit of a you know animosity within the room. Now they go out and they get Blake Coleman off the two-time Stanley Cup winner Blake Coleman on a six-year deal um, at more money than I was willing to pay. Yeah. Uh, Nikita Zadorov joins the blue line. Um, obviously, Parsons is is re-signed to a one-year deal, uh, probably p- playing the AHL considering his his vaccination um, uh, or lack thereof, I should say. Gabranson uh, signs a one-year deal. Uh, Michael Stone signs a one-year deal with the Flames. Uh, a lot of names that are sticking with the flames. And yet this is a team that we really don't know where they're going to land. On paper, they're looking good on the ice last season. They did not look good. What are your thoughts on the Calgary flames? If there was one season to decipher what direction you wanted to go and make major moves, Last season was should have been the one because they were going in with high hopes to be competitive in that North Division. And it looked like they were until it seemed like after that Jake Muzzin incident where he flipped the puck at Kachuk, that's where things just went downhill for them. And I, I, I'm sorry, but even so now you OK, they initially lost TJ Brody to the Maple Leafs in free agency. Obviously a really good two way defenseman. You lost your captain and Giordano to expansion. You, you're basically, I, I'm trying to find the longest tenured defender on that team right now is a 24 year old in Noah Hannafin right now. Based on that team alone, obviously, I know Chris Hannafin's been in the NHL a while as a door of, but based on the team who's been there longer, they're pinning their hopes on Noah Hannafin to lead the blue line. I, th- this defense is very, it's going to be a major reason why they don't have much success because you have you have great depth in terms of those defensive minded players like a like a Tanev, like a Zadorov, but at, but even so, I, I I've seen their underlying numbers in the past and it's really not that great in terms of like you know shots against chances against and stuff like that but now you throw in erica branson who's been underwhelming the past few seasons i i, I don't see them making any noise and even jacob Markstrom was really inconsistent at times last year as well so that back end is very troubling considering the fact that you have talents like matthew kachuk johnny goudreau sean monahan 
um, Elias Lindholm. That you're going to get the offense, but defensively, it's going to hurt them big time this year. Yeah, I mean, realistically, on paper, like this is a team that should be, you know, fairly decent at least. Um, that top line, I mean, that alone is a, is a line that should put up some decent numbers, but it just hasn't seemed to click over the last few seasons, and I think that's been incredibly detrimental mentally to to the team as well um you know obviously it takes its toll we've seen that with like morgan riley's gone through the highs and lows in toronto and you know you've got guys like michael backland who who's to me one maybe pretty underrated forward in terms of what he's able to do um you know like we mentioned they are they went out and signed blake coleman he's a guy that's been there he knows what it takes to get there dylan dubé uh johnny goudreau um, you know, you went through the list and you've got the toughness. You've got Milan Lucic. He's going to go out there and stand up for his teammates. You've got Connor Zari, which is going to be an interesting guy to watch as well. Um, what he can bring to that team, possibly adding a little extra. Um, Oliver Kylington, he's a guy who kind of made made a, a jump to the NHL last season. Michael Stone obviously missed some time with his injuries. Christopher Tanev, that's a big signing for or, or a big pickup for them. Uh, you saw Valimaki, if he can get to where he, he you know, the, the expectation for Valimaki is that he's going to be a top four defenseman. Yeah. Um, Jakob Markstrom, I mean, what we've seen what he's able to do, and they picked up Dan Vladder as well. So he's, you know, right now he's the backup in, in Calgary. So um, it could come down to, to the back end and to goaltending for them. But uh, this is a team that should perform better than than they did last season and, and could be a bubble playoff team, in my opinion. I should also throw Rasmus Anderson into that mix as well. He's played um, in 2016-17 and 17-18. He played a total of 11 games over those two seasons, but he didn't really get full-time minutes until 2018-19. So he's also have three years under his belt as a Calgary Flame. So you're pitting the hopes on two not necessarily unproven defenders, but defenders that you really haven't you want to see more of and that to me is a big tipping point yeah no absolutely absolutely um jumping to their um their cross province rivals the edmonton oilers uh i could call them the former leafs but uh i'll I'll call (laughs) them the edmonton oilers zach hyman signed a seven-year deal with the oilers tyson barry re-signed a three-year deal with the oilers uh, Cody CC and, and let's go back to when Alex said he might be the biggest <laughs> loss for Pittsburgh. Uh, oh, he's shout not going to shout he's out to gonna Alex for that one. We're not going to let him <laughs> off the hook with that. <laughs> no, not even one bit. Cody CC <laughs> signed a four year deal with the Oilers. So there's your former Leafs. Uh, they also add Warren Fogle. Uh, they add, or they re-signed Slater Kukuk. Um, you know, they, they do lose guys like Kulikov who went to Minnesota. They lose like Juju Kara. Uh, went to Chicago, uh, Alex Chase on PTO in Vancouver. So they do lose some guys, some of their depth. Um, but this is a team that, with the additions that they made in in Hyman and Barry still being that that powerful like, quarterback, this is a team that, let's hope, takes the next step in their development, um, knowing that they damn well should have made it past the, the Winnipeg Jets last season. And... I, to me, again, you, you, you can't fault the forwards of like 
McDavid and Dreisaitl because they were basically one two last year. So you know you, you know what you're getting with them. It's their forward depth that needs to pick it up. I think Ryan Nugent Hawkins had a really great season. I mean, he's had back to back sixty point years. So I think he's you know part of that core that's going to help lead them forward. Zach Hyman, obviously Zach Hyman. We are we've talked to him or talked about him nonstop. But it's past that. I mean, are you going to get a lot of production is uh, from, I mean, you're probably not going to get a whole lot from Zach Cassian. Uh, Yamamoto has been struggling to try and find that, you know, he was potentially a top six option. And now he's playing like a bottom bottom six kind of forward. Yes, he pulled a RV. Looked promising. Can he find that consistency? Mike Smith is the big X factor because we saw at times Miko Koskinen looked really, really shaky in that. And even Mike Smith at close to 40 years old looked really great at times, but again, faltered when it mattered most. And it it's really difficult to pin your hopes and your season on an aging 40 year old goaltender right now. I mean, I, that's that, that, that to me is going to be huge going forward for them. Yeah, I mean, this team, it, it kind of goes in the direction that um, McDavid goes in. So McDavid and Drysaddle, they're the guys. Nugent yeah. Hopkins, now Hyman, they're your secondary depth. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think their biggest hole is in net. And I've said this for years. Is I think Mike Smith is a, like a one-year-on, one-year-off kind of guy. And and he really carried that team through some, some tough spots last yeah. season. Obviously, you know, the playoffs was a little bit of a different story. Uh, still battled pretty well, but uh, wasn't able to get it done. And now you're going into a season following a, a good year for him. And I don't know. I, I just have always felt that Mike Smith is a one-year-on, one-year-off type of guy. And, um, you know, we can we can cut that and, and come back to it uh, down the road. But I, I do think that's, that, that's going to be where they struggle this year is in net. Calgary, 2017-18, save percentage, 2018 19 0.898, 2019-20, 0. 0.92 with Edmonton, last season, 0. 0.923. Yeah, he's very up and down, and even in his time with Phoenix as well, he's been very up and down, and even before that with the Tampa Bay Lightning, it, it, one year on, one year off. And that's going to be really tough, especially if they want to take that next step forward. Yeah, and I mean, he's your starting goalie. He hasn't started, uh, he hasn't played in more than 40 games since 20, since 2017, 2018, when he played 55. So, yeah, um, you know, if this is the guy that you're relying on, you're, you're going you're gonna to need him to be, you know, top notch. But he's, as you mentioned, he's an aging guy. He's, he's 39 years old, going on 40. And, uh, it, it it could it could really be you know it could spell the end for for Edmonton if he can't play well because Koskinen didn't see a lot of time last season and likely won't see a lot to start the year here either but um, definitely definitely worth keeping an eye on. Um, jumping over to the Los Angeles Kings, we're going back to California here. The Los Angeles Kings. Um, Bad news for them. Quentin Byfield went down in preseason. 
definitely not a, a good note for them. I was excited to see him again. Going back to my fantasy team, he's a guy that I've had in my minors for some time. So I was looking forward to seeing him come uh, coming into the NHL. But they do go out and they sign Deneau to a six-year contract. Uh, he obviously left the Montreal Canadiens after their Stanley Cup run. Uh, Andre Athanasiou uh, signs a one-year deal. Alex Edler signed a one-year deal with them as well. Um, Joaquin Anderson signed a one-year deal. So a lot of uh, a lot of depth, I guess. Let's let's call it depth signings for them. Um, they also got uh, you know guys like uh, Imama signed a three-year contract with with the Kings. Uh, he was part of that All-Black line in the AHL. Um, so, so some really. In, and sorry, Walking Anderson. I should have said Elias Anderson signed signed a, a, a re-signed a deal with the uh, LA Kings. I'm getting my Andersons mixed up. First the Jones, now the Andersons. Um, but the <laughs> LA Kings. What are your thoughts on the LA Kings? I mean, that was just a really brutal injury that Byfield sustained. Um, yeah, you were hoping that he would be a Calder favorite. Um, really great death and a team that's very well ahead of or not well ahead, but they're in a good spot of their rebuild where now is the time maybe they want to take that next step and push for a playoff spot because I, I that 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 signing for Philip Deneau was great. I think yeah, it was just a bit too rich, rich for me. Maybe if I was just at five million, I would have I would have been happy. I think that extra point five not going to be a deal breaker, but I think it would have helped to probably allocate that somewhere else. You signed or they traded for Victor Arvidsson, who's going to possibly, I think, going to have a really good bounce back season. And you still have the depth of Ayafalo, Adrian Kempe, uh, Gabe Velarde, who's hoping to take a massive jump. Arthur Kaliev, it looks like he's on the roster at this point. I don't know exactly what's going to happen to him, but he's a very good power forward or offensive threat with his shot and his net from presence um i i again kind of similar to calgary it's going to be their defense and their goaltending because jonathan quick has not been jonathan quick as we've seen the last three seasons um compared to what we've seen in the past so Cal Peterson, if it, this is his time to shine, I mean, he, they signed him to a three-year extension at $5 million, So they're probably hoping that he's going to be the one to take over and be the starter over Jonathan Quick. Or if they're splitting duties, I don't know exactly what's going to happen there. But that's my main thing. Because I, I do think that the LA Kings can be that middle-tier team in that four to five, four or five range. I think that they can make a buzz and make some noises here, given the fact that, you know, Andre Kopitar is still playing extremely well. Um, you got uh, the no probably following behind him in terms of depth up the, set, uh, 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 up the middle. And you, you're going to have Arvidsson, Ayafalo, um but again, the depth after that kind of looks iffy because you're going to pin your hopes on maybe a line and two thirds for major offensive production. So they're going to be in, uh, in tight to squeak out a lot of wins with some low scoring affairs. Yeah, here's what I'll say. I think right now, for me, the back end is, is the big question mark in L.A. Um, obviously, Drew Doughty's there. Alexander Edler signed kind of kind of on his, on the back nine of his career. Ole Mata, um, you know, a lot of questions surrounding him. So 
for me, there there is still some question marks on the back end. Um, up front, you mentioned that Gabe Velarde is going to be interesting to watch. Uh, Trevor Moore, obviously, former Leaf. He's a guy that kind of adds a little bit of energy to that bottom mm-hmm. six. Brendan Lemieux, another guy that adds a little bit of energy to the bottom six. Rasmus Kapari, um, an yeah. interesting uh, young young player as well. Uh, Adrian Kempe, you follow. Grundstrom, uh, again, another former Leaf. Um, for me, I agree with you. I think the Philip Deneau was a little bit rich of a signing, um, especially where you're at right now as a team. I think if they had the, the, the probability of being you know, one of the top two or three teams, then obviously going out and adding a guy like that would, would definitely put you over the edge. But at yeah. this point in time, I just don't think they're in the right spot to, to really lock down this guy. And, and maybe, you know, moving forward, that's a different story. Um, obviously you bring in a guy like Byfield and, and all of a sudden you're a different team, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I I'm just, I, I think that was a little bit much to go out and, and, and throw that money at him. Um, but you know, we'll see how it works out. Um, yeah. I, I, I do think the back end though is going to be the biggest question mark for, for, uh, for, for LA. Um, jumping to the next I, I, we're going we're gonna to stay in California for this one. The San Jose Sharks. The San Jose Sharks. Um, again, Evander Kane, kind of the storyline, the headline of the offseason for the San Jose Sharks, um, going through yet another investigation by the league, uh, this time potentially falsifying COVID documents. Um, it just, it, it kind of doesn't stop, but they, they brought in Nick Benino for two years. They brought in James Reimer for two years. Andrew Cogliano signs for a year. Aiden Hill jumps in for two years. So they, they've added some, some decent, uh, some decent depth. Um, worth noting that Patrick Marlowe remains unsigned. Um, but, uh, I'm I'm sure we will see him back as well at some point. What are your thoughts on the Evander Kane, San Jose Sharks, and whether or not he's there with them? Uh, I, I, yeah, I, it just seems like it's a revolving door of like story after story right now, and I think it's just getting too much. Um, that, that that's where I'm at with this. Um, in terms of overall play i nothing jumps off the page with this team i mean it really doesn't i mean we saw what they were able to accomplish last year wasn't really a whole lot um and i think the bright spot is you still got timo meyer on there who's probably gonna probably have a strong bounce back year um because after that 66-point season in 2018-19, he kind of drew, fallen off in terms of production. I think they're hoping he could bounce back. I think the big thing is, you know, I shift into the future and looking at what William Eklund's going to bring because it looks like he's going to make the roster or he, his name at the moment is on paper. So you, you have him to look forward to. Um, Because he was very electrifying in training camp. Um, I hope that he's going to be the one bright spot this season. Because I don't see this team doing a whole lot. Um, Granted that this division is very... I'm going to say this is probably the weakest division out of all of them. 
and it's going to be very unpredictable. So it, the fact that they can make some noise, and if they don't, it's going to really hurt them. But on the plus side, if they end up being a lottery team, it's going to be a good year to be a lottery team. Yeah, no, absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And um, I, I agree with you that they're they're not a team that's going to look good this season. Uh, obviously, you're going to see guys like Logan Couture. He's going to do what he can do. Uh, William Eklund, yeah. if he does make the roster, should be an interesting one to watch. Um, Jonah Gajevich was picked up off of uh, waivers. Um, that I was that's a good a, pickup. That's a great pickup for them. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm shocked that Vancouver let him go. Um, again, tough decisions, I guess, on the, on their end. But um, Kevin LeBonk's another player to watch. Timo Maier, I don't know if Evander Kane will, in fact, be in the lineup to start the year. That one's going to be interesting to watch as we move yeah. forward uh, towards puck drop. You know, you, you still have to remember they still have guys like Eric Carlson. They have guys like Brent Burns uh, on the back end. Mark andre Vlasic – or Mark Edward Vlasic, Mark andre um, <laughs> Aiden Hill and Net, which is a solid, you know, it, it could be interesting to see how Aiden Hill and James Reimer put put together what kind of season they put together. But mm-hmm. I just think that's a weak spot for them. Um, for me, I think the big question mark right now is there's a lot of speculation that Thomas Hurdle could be on the move. Yeah, and uh, you know he's a major piece of that offense. So if you if you do ship him out, you you should be expecting some decent pieces in return. But, you know, that for me, that that being kind of the headline surrounding this team, along with the Evander Kane stuff, it's just it's a lot of distraction away from the ice. And um, I think that that's going to play a role as well in, in how this team performs. So I'm not seeing the San Jose Sharks as a as a playoff team, but um, there's there's a lot of talent there. And I, I don't think they're far off from from, you know, becoming a playoff bubble team at some point in the next two to three years. Absolutely agree. It's it's funny too. Uh, they have I, I should say this. I when I see three six five, I think bet three six five. You know, I use it for my 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 sports book. <laughs> um, and and one of their on their, <laughs> sorry on their uh, team homepage, they have sharks three six five members, and it just makes me think of like how how ironic that Evander Kane is. You know, oh, I, I, I wonder if he's part of the the sharks three six five. Good, good but, advertising. Uh, yeah, great advertising. I mean, that, maybe that's the ad they'll get on their jersey. Who knows? Uh, I don't know if they'll be able to after the whole Evander Kane debacle, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, I should next uh, kind of next up we have the uh, let's go to the Seattle Kraken. The Seattle Kraken. Um, I mean, you, we know exactly what they're they're made of uh, with with the uh, expansion draft that they had. Uh, what are your thoughts on this this expansion draft? Because I don't I don't think they're going to be what Vegas was, um, but they they have some interesting pieces. I mean, we didn't think Vegas was going to be what Vegas was. I mean, <laughs> uh, very true. That's very true. I, I, I was just going to do the the whole line. I can't remember what the coach's name was, but is the coach having the brand where he's just like talking about the bears. And it's like, the bears were who we thought they were. So maybe we should probably throw in that. Maybe Seattle is a team that maybe shouldn't be taken lightly. Just like Vegas was Seattle or who we thought they were, you know, um, not a whole lot. I mean, it, it, again, it, it's kind of like Vegas where you have the, like 
really good names like Yanni Gore, Jordan Eberle, Alexander Wedberg, uh, Jared McCann, who, you know, great Leaf legend right there. But you have solid names, and now they're getting that opportunity where they couldn't get on their original team. So maybe you are going to see their best foot forward, and maybe they do surprise I I don't I want to reserve my judgment and make like any major predictions about this team because honestly their their defense looks absolutely great and I think that's going to be a strength for them and they looked really good in the preseason so I I want to see more um, small sample with this group but if they continue to impress I think they can make some noise defense and then Philip Grubauer in net. Yeah, um, and, and that to me is possibly the most interesting point because they signed to a, a decent contract. They got some pieces on the back end. All they need to do is find that transition game, and this could be a team that is maybe one of the more underrated, scary teams in the Pacific mm-hmm. Division. Uh, Eberle, Giordano on the back end, um, Vince Dunn, uh, Jaden Schwartz. Um, you know, down the pipeline, you're going to get Maddie Beneers at some point. Um, I'm just going to throw out Chris Drieger as well behind yeah, Chris Drieger. Looked really good as a backup. Could, you know what? If they did not have Spencer Knight, I would not have been surprised if Florida started the year with Chris Drieger as their starting goalie. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, that, to me, is one of the more underrated moves by the Seattle Kraken is bringing in Chris Drieger. Yeah. Um, on top of all that, you have Adam Larson. Like, like this team on the back end is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what they say when it, all they have to do is find a way into the playoffs and defense wins championships. And yeah. that could be one of the more interesting things uh, to come from this this Seattle Kraken inaugural year. Um, it's going to be a fun time at the Crack House. Uh, and uh, release the yeah. Kraken. Release the Kraken. Release the Kraken. You know what? I was just watching Pirates of the Caribbean with my kid uh, this morning. So, <laughs> oh, classic. Um, I believe it was the second one too, with the with the Kraken in it. So, that was a good one. That was a good one. That was a good I one. I didn't care so much for the third. I know we're getting off topic, but the first two were the best. Uh, we can digress. This is our podcast. We can do whatever <laughs> we want. And it's you know, how many times is this conversation going to come up when the Kraken come up? I'm sure it'll come up every time. So. Oh, yeah, that's what I think of that and dark rum. Yeah, really good rum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, moving on to the West Coast, the Vancouver Canucks. Um, again, another another team that uh, has you know had maybe a bad year last season, obviously with COVID kind of running rampant through their their locker room. But they brought in guys like Yaroslav Halak, uh, re-signed Hammock, re-signed uh, Brandon Sutter. Uh, Luke Shen came in. Oli Levy obviously moved out, um, but they they got big deals done with uh, with uh, Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson as well. So, what do you what are you thinking about the Vancouver Canucks? Can they bounce back from obviously what was a rough season for them? If there is a team that can bounce back, or mate, or out of the three remaining Canadian teams, aside from Edmonton, I think Vancouver should be ahead of the Calgary Flames. Um, it, it, it may not work out as well as we may have thought, but the, the, there is some interesting aspects of this team that can vault them 
ahead or even further in the standings. I mean, Thatcher Demko looked absolutely great. And Yaroslav Halak, who has been um, going back and forth with Tuka Rass and helping him out whenever he wasn't playing, um, become a really solid complementary backup goaltender that could assume the starting role. Um, I think they can be a top th- on paper. This is a top three team. It's just also you have to worry about on defense too, where Tyler Myers hasn't looked as great as he's been advertised in the past. Um, Travis Hamannick is looking to get his footing again and find that consistency. Um, I, you, you're probably looking at someone like Jack Rathbone coming in and making a statement and providing some stability on the back end. Obviously, Lucien looked really good with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Hopefully, he can provide um, that steady presence on uh, in front of the net and in his own zone like he did with Tampa. So I think that's your X factor right there because you have a solid forward group. I think, And again, too, I think... The Oliphant Ekman Larson deal, not Connor Garland himself, but OEL himself, I think is going to be an X factor. Because if he's on his game offensively, he's great, but defensively in his own zone. Granted, Arizona hasn't been the best defensive team in the past few years. If he can bounce back and maybe find his footing defensively, great. But I don't think that's going to happen because he's been, I know plus minus is a relatively useless stat. But I'm seeing quite a bit of double digits with minus with OEL's name. Um, so let, let's hope that his offensive game can outweigh his defensive deficiencies at this point. I want to say this might be this one of the scarier teams in the Pacific Division. And yeah. like rightfully so. I, I might get crucified for this, but Thatcher Demko, Yaroslav Halak in that. That mm-hmm. is to me could be a scary tandem. Uh, Jack Rathbone, let's say he he jumps on the back end. You've got Quinn Hughes. You've got Travis Hammock. You've got Oliver ekman Larson. You've got Madison Bowie. That's a solid back end, okay? Yeah. Then you add up front Elias Pedersen, um, Tanner Pearson, JT Miller, who's coming off a solid year, Bo Horvat, Niles Hoglander, uh, Connor Garland. Um, Don't forget Bob Colson. Yep, I was gonna I was gonna say Puck Coles and Brock Besser, um, you know Philip D. Giuseppe, uh, Jason Dickinson to add some depth to that as well. I mean, this is a team that definitely underperformed last season, and for me, you get this team on paper and you're talking about possibly one of the more talented teams up front. Um, I, I I don't know. It, it could come down to them being a bubble team in the Pacific, but. I if I if I'm a team in the Pacific, I'm a little weary about playing the Vancouver Canucks this season. Yeah, I do think that two things. One, they've always been noted for giving out bad contracts and making poor roster decisions, and they made this time around they made better decisions compared to the past. But I think also you obviously going back to Demko and Halak. I think last year where you had two possible starters kind of threw the goaltending situation off where both were going in and out of the net. Now that you have Demko being that number one and Halak providing some support, I think there's more common net where you know you're going to where Thatcher Demko is going to be the starter. You don't have to worry about a 1A, 1B kind of situation. And for a young team like this, I think that kind of threw them off. 
Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think, you know, having Holtby there as well was kind of, you know, put a lot of maybe pressure, uh, pressure on, on, on Demko. And then obviously they had the, the run-in with COVID as well, which certainly didn't help their situation. You know, realistically, this could have been a playoff team last season. Um, and they just obviously ran into that 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 late season uh you know, illness and and whatever yeah. whatever happened after that was kind of just a write off. But um, yeah, for me, like I think it's just it's a matter of you know finding finding your footing early, and and this could be a team that really runs runs its course in the Pacific Division. So I think keep it, Bo Horvat's a guy that's going to make that make sure that his team's on on you know it has their head in the game and is ready to play. Um, and we talked about it last week, the signings of Pedersen and the signing of, of, of Hughes, you know, this is a team that's going to get Luongo off of their, uh, off their cap next season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're going to have some space. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think Vancouver moving forward is a team that this division really has to keep an eye on because I yeah. think they're, they're making moves and they've got a good solid, um, you know, good solid pipeline and, and, and letting Gadjevich go is just a, an example of just how, how many decisions they have to make moving forward. Yeah. And it, it is unfortunate, but like, like you said, I think this team definitely can make some noise. And I, I, I hope that whatever, uh, like obviously last season was very difficult with them with their COVID situation. You mentioned, um, Bo Horvat getting this team on track if there's anybody to get this team to the direction that they want to go in and run a type ship it's going to be bull horvat so they got a quality leader they got a great supporting staff with their assistance and alternates i think they're in a good spot yeah no i i agree completely um and what better way to close out the pacific division than talking about the uh vegas golden knights and we talk about movement um, this is a team you definitely want to have in the conversation. What say you regarding the Golden Knights? I mean, they good. Simple as that. I mean, I, for a team that, you know, has high expectations, made the final against the Montreal Canadiens before being knocked out. Obviously, they want to they want to go Stanley Cup or nothing. Um I do think that maybe that may fuel them a little bit more because it's a roster that they have intact. It's still the same roster that, you know, got them to where they were. They didn't really need to make any major moves uh, aside from, you know, doing what they did to Marc-Andre Fleury. That was just kind of like, you know, really, really, I, I still don't know why they treated him like garbage after what he did for this organization and did what they did. But at the same time, Robin Lehner, Still in that, he's put up really good numbers. This team is still solid in front of him. Um, I, I'm, I'm still expecting them to be at the top of the division no matter what. Yeah, so, I mean, don't take this as a knock on Robin Leonard because I think what he does, what he brings to the game, obviously, you know, he, he's an outspoken player. He's somebody mm-hmm. that talks about, you know, mental health. I think he's a great human being. But I think they're weaker at the goaltending position when they bring in a guy like Robin Leonard and Lauren Broussard. Broussard. Yeah. I mean, uh, when you have Marc-Andre Fleury for the past few years, it's hard to argue against that. Yeah. And, and I think, like you said, the way that they treated him, just it, it was complete bullshit. I mean, 
this is the guy that was the face of your franchise. He flew out. He was part of your your introduction. Um, you know, he wore those colors with pride and, and kind of the way that they kind of let it all happen. Um, you know, it, it is disappointing, but I do think that at the same time, the Vegas Golden Knights are like the the Colorado Avalanche. The time mm-hmm. is now. Yeah, the time is now. Um, you've spent endless resources bringing bringing in guys like Alex Petrangelo, um, you know, guys like Mark Stone, um, guys like Max Pacioretty. Now you have Nolan Patrick on that list. Uh, yeah. William Carlson still there. Brett Howden has joined the club. Evgeny Dadinov has joined the club. You've got a solid, solid team. And really, you didn't lose much. Um, you know, obviously, a couple of years ago, you lost Nate Schmidt, and that was a big loss. But you replaced him with Nick Hag. Uh, you got Alec Martinez, you got Braden McNabb, you, you know, I mentioned Petrangelo, Shea Weber, Zach Whitecloud, who, who's coming off a good season. Um, this, to me, is the team to beat in the Pacific. Uh, oh. and, and I'd be absolutely shocked if anybody takes that number one spot away from them in the Pacific Division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no argument at all. Okay, well, safe to say that uh, the Pacific <laughs> breakdown is is uh, is good to go. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, like we mentioned, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just about to say it's hard to argue what you said about that. I mean, it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I mean, it, it's when you when you had Colorado and you had uh, Vegas in the same division last season, it was a little tougher to call the the division winner. But mm-hmm. uh, I think there's no question that Vegas Vegas is going to knock everybody off and that that they're going to be number one. Um, you know, barring any, any serious injuries to some key players, but, um, yeah, um, I do want to mention before we jump over to Leafs talk, cause I know we, I know we're getting to that, that hour point. We want to, we want to get into Leafs talk, but the OHL kicked off for the first time in over 540 days, yeah. uh, the other night and man, it was so good to see. You know, not only the London Knights get back underway, not only the OHL, but friend of the show, Gavin Bryant, opened the season scoring for the Owen yes. Sound attack. Now, this is a guy who was drafted two seasons ago, okay, and finally got to play his first OHL game. And, you know, at some point, hopefully after the season's done, I'd love to get him back on. But, you know, he played – so he he's – you know, I want to say a local boy, not from London, but just outside of London. Um, you know, for him to be able to play in London, his first OHL game, score his first OHL goal, have family in the stands. Is that not what it's all about? I, I'm getting chills right now thinking about it. It is. That That is what it's all about. And what better way to do that? Then in front of the home crowd, uh, obviously he's playing for Owen Sound, but in front of his friends, family and everything like that, that's just a dream right there. No matter what team, what level you're at, that's always the dream to play in front of those that supported you on the journey that, that got you to where you are today. And like you said, I couldn't even be more proud of him. Yeah, you know what I mentioned? I, uh, I messaged him after the game. I, you know, I just quick little text saying, you know, nice talk tonight, uh, buddy. And I messaged his mom and his mom, you know, he, all she could say was, you know, my kid, my kid's got an exciting future. And that to me, I said, I wrote back and I said, look, you know, we've had him on the show twice and 
Mm-hmm. I would be absolutely shocked that come next season, he's not wearing a letter in, in Owen Sound. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just a hell of a hell of an opportunity for the kid. And, and I hope to hell that he has a great OHL season. Um, and I'm excited to see what Gavin does moving forward. Definitely. With that Maple Leafs talk, let's jump into Marley's talk real quick. Hosang gets an OHL contract and mental along with others, they clear waivers. I was really thinking that they were going to get picked up off waivers. Joey Anderson, another guy that uh, I thought for sure was going to get picked up, but uh, they, they find their way down to the AHL and, and this could be a, a solid opportunity for the Maple Leafs to use that depth that they have within the organization. Yeah. I, everyone was holding their breath because Brennan Menel looked really great during the preseason and they brought in the try and be that offensive defenseman, power play quarterback and we saw that flair we saw that puck moving ability that was really the reason why they went out and got him and i i thought he played relatively well obviously maybe not enough to earn a spot but he's definitely worth a call up if there are injuries on defense that he's going to be a name that they have in the back of their mind but even josh hosang too i mean this is a guy that you know fell out of favor in long island didn't get the opportunity that he wanted and even after he put his like he played his heart out during the preseason, he was still so humble about getting the contract. And this is what you wanted to see for both him and the organization coming together to try and get his career back on track because he was a promising player. The fact that, you know, he's got an AHL contract, it, it, it's possible that at some point he can be called up and maybe deserves an NHL contract depending on how well he plays. And if there, if there's one example that the Maple Leafs can turn a player's career around and get them to where they are, just look at what they did with Alex Galchenyuk. I mean, last season, really, really trying to find his footing, been through multiple organizations, took the time, developed him, worked on his deficiencies, and for the most part, played relatively well when he came up. Now they're doing the same thing with Hosang, and it wouldn't surprise me that if he has an even greater impact than Galchenyuk did if and when he does get the call-up. Because with his playmaking and his speed, I I think that he's going to be a really, really great, impactful player if and when he does come up. Yeah, no, I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I think, you know, Menel, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how he does at the HL level. Um, but Hosang, I, I love that contract. I love that... Yeah. You know, Toronto gave him the opportunity to earn that contract, and it was so deserving. What he was able to do in the in the uh, camp and in preseason, um, you know, that's exactly what you want to see on a PTO, and it and it earned him an AHL contract. And you mentioned it. Uh, you know, he, he did say at, at you know he'd be willing to start at the ECHL, and, and you know whether it was sharpening skates or what have you, but. Yeah. You know, this guy, this kid's going to get an opportunity and he he's so deserving of it. And, and this is this is the perfect example of how players can grow and become different, different people moving into, you know, a different level of maturity. And and, you know, so quickly, these guys are, are throwing thrown into, you know, the life of a professional athlete at 16, 17, 18 years yeah. old. And, you know, Josh Hosang's going to get the opportunity to earn him, earn himself an, an NHL you know, possibly an NHL opportunity at some point down the road. Um, 
and, and I hope to hell that he gets it because he's he's shown that he belongs and that he uh, he can get it done at that level as well. So mm-hmm. we'll see what's what comes of this AHL contract. But for now, starting down with the Marlies and Rich Clune, that's going to be a great opportunity for him to grow as a person and, and grow as a player. So yeah, I'm very excited to see that happen. Um, and possibly with Curtis Gabriel as well. And possibly with Curtis Great Gabriel, if he does, you know, get clear, get through uh, waivers there. Mm-hmm. Um, another guy that was sent down is is Nick Robertson. I know there's a lot of conversation surrounding this move and and whether or not Nick Robertson should be should be sent down to the AHL. But um, I, before before I talk about, it, I want to get your thoughts on on Nick Robertson, the depth of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and whether or not he belongs in the AHL or the NHL. Yeah, I mean, based on the signings and base. So we saw two basically two different Nick Robertsons, one that was on top of his game, obviously, during development camp and the rookie tournament, where there were even older players his age, and he was one of the better players every single time he's out on the ice. No doubt about that. Training camp, not necessarily say that maybe he was struggling, but I think maybe it was him trying to do too much to impress. And we heard what Haley Wickenheiser said, where maybe, you know, dial it back a bit, you know? And I think this is maybe where she, where in fact, maybe she was right, where maybe Nick Robertson was trying to do too much. It looked great, but, you know, still some things that he needs to work on that maybe he just didn't get, I didn't say he didn't get a fair shot because he did, but it was hard for him coming in no matter what, because you know what the promise was with bunting the promise with uh, Nick Ritchie, who are who are basically those two guys fighting for the top six spot. Ilya Mikheyev, unfortunately, who he went down with a injury in the final game. But there's also Pierre Engvall, who looked great coming back after he dealt with his hip in, his hip injury. So that left side was already becoming very very crowded for him to make any kind of noise and even so he made he he showed really great glimpses of his speed his tenacity his ability to force turnovers and gain possession and head the other way it's just that it, it just wasn't enough given the depth and where they were right now i think nick nick robertson's definitely going to crack this roster at some point the fact that he's starting down in the minors, and I think maybe he's still going to work his way up because he's still a young kid. I mean, the, let's be realistic. Um, for him to come in as sort of like a 19, 20-year-old and get his first full season of pro hockey in the AHL where he didn't have a full season with the OHL where he probably would have demolished the league anyways, I think maybe him getting that taste of the AHL Playing the way he did, 16 points in 21 games was a good start. Showed glimpses in preseason, just wasn't enough. And I think there there are some things that he does need to work on. Would I have loved to see him knock out Richie or Bunting? Absolutely, but it, it was probably a long shot. And I think now he still has time to work on his craft, work on his skill set. And we know how mo- how much of a motivated player he is. I think this is going to motivate him even more. Take everything into consideration and put his best foot forward next time around. Yeah, I I mean, you kind of mentioned it. Like, the depth right now with the signings they made, Toronto had to make some some really tough 
you know, decisions and, and Robertson going down is one of them. Uh, we're obviously going to see what they do in the back end. There's a lot of, a lot of speculation as to, to what's going to happen there as well. Uh, another move that happened just, uh, just recently, I, I want to say today, but it was yesterday, Sunday was that Adam Brooks was put on waivers as well mm-hmm. with the likelihood that if he does clear, he will go to the HL as well. Um, there for me right now, there's just, far too much depth on on the Maple Leafs. Uh, Kerfoot, Engvall, Simmons. Um, you know, we talked about Gabriel. He's on he's on waivers, potentially maybe gets picked up uh, tomorrow. Who knows? Um, for me, like the moves they made, they brought in Bunting, they brought in Richie, they brought in, you know, Andre Cache. There's, it, it's a good problem to have. But at the same time, it makes it so much more difficult for young guys like Robertson to, to, to crack that lineup. And, and mm-hmm. I bring Robertson and Brooks into that that conversation as well because Brooks is another guy who had a solid camp. But unfortunately, you know, Amadio was was just slightly better in, in the eyes of, of, you know, upper management for, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, you know, they are kind of falling victim to the over depth that the Toronto Maple Leafs brought into camp this season. And, and I want to get your thoughts on, you know, maybe does Engvall, is Engvall a guy that really needs to stick or is he a guy that maybe potentially they're, they're auditioning to use as, as a trade piece at some point in the season to get guys like Robertson or Brooks back in the lineup. Uh, well, if Adam Brooks goes unclaimed, great. Cause, uh, with Brooks, it's kind of interesting because obviously I would love to keep him, but I think Alex made a good point. Like there are many Adam uh, Alex he mentioned on Twitter previously um, when it happened that there are players like Adam Brooks out there that you could easily replace and find that t- same type of skill set as a fourth line center. So it is interesting. Amadio did have the better camp. Maybe Brooks had. Just slight underneath in terms of impact than Amadio. But I I think maybe another sticky point is Amadio brings size and physicality. Brooks does as well, but, you know, it's hard to knock out 6'1", 204 pounds of Amadio where Brooks is 5'11", 180. But, yeah, in the case of Engvall and even Kerfoot for that matter, because I'm even looking at, like, him – uh, where he was seen as a fourth center, making $3.5 million. If anything, if I would hang on to Pierre Engvall more than I would Alex Kerfa, because you have someone that could take over his spot and Kirill Semyonov, who looked really good in training camp as well. So you are having players audition to be used as trade bait. And if there's any indication, Pierre Engvall, for someone who needed to have a strong camp after, you know, being in Sheldon Keith's doghouse last season, he was phenomenal. And his shot looks to be on point. There are times where maybe it wasn't as accurate, but that accuracy is there. So for him, for Kerfoot, I think this is all audition time. But I think if you're looking to move someone right now, I do think maybe you look at Kerfa because of his contract right now and 3.5 as a fourth C where he got pushed down because of David Kampf. It's something to consider. I mean, it, I, I usually when you look at your four C, it's always like maybe one to 2.5 million. You're way over that ex- expectation and that contract does not match where he is in the lineup at this point. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And, um, 
as I mentioned, I think the, the depth right now is just so full in terms of yeah. what the what the Maple Leafs have. And there's a lot of talk that, you know, they're not better than last year, but I, I don't think they're worse either. I think a guy like David Kampf kind of comes in. He, he's going to play uh, his role. I think, you know, Bunting's going to come in and play his role. And, and we got guys like Nick Ritchie who's going to come in and, and right now looks like the favorite to maybe start the season on that top line. Mm-hmm. Now, not the best skater, but he's a guy that's a big body. He's going to open up some lanes. Is he the right, this the right person to to play alongside a guy like Matthews and a guy like Marner? I was always on the the bandwagon of having Bunting play with Matthews and Marner, given the speed aspect. But in three games that Nick Ritchie played alongside Mitch Marner, I he started to show why he deserves to be there. Obviously, yeah, no, the speed he does not have, but he did have the smarts and awareness to be in the perfect spot to get a pass and get a shot on net from Mitch Marner. I mean, uh, the, the game where he scored his first two goals as a uh, well in the Maple Leaf uniform in the preseason against Montreal. First goal, Mitch Marner was already at the top of the circle, far side, throws it on net, and Nick Ritchie is there for the tip-in. He knew exactly where he needs to be. He knows Matthews and Martin are going to be driving that line. He knows that he is going to be difficult to keep up. But if he puts himself in that good spot, Nick Ritchie is going to thrive on there. And already he had another goal against the Ottawa Senators as well. So you have possibly a really good I mean, obviously, you would love to have the speed matchup with that speed to throw everybody off. But his physicality and his size is very difficult to go up against. And I think that Nick Ritchie, I I was against it, but he's proving me wrong. I think he deserves a shot to see where we have or what we have with him, especially when Matthews does come back from his wrist injury or surgery as well. So if in the next few games, if Matthews is good to play in the home opener, and even in the back-to-back situation, I do think that Nick Ritchie is going to get a good look, and we're going to see. Excuse me, sorry. Uh, the fact that we're going to see a winger that's capable of playing alongside elite talent, and you mentioned something that maybe the Maple Leafs aren't as better, or they didn't get any worse. I I did notice this one thing, and it's been constant throughout the preseason. Again, it's preseason. Games really don't mean nothing. But they were playing with a purpose. They were playing with an attitude and a mentality that they want to be feared with every single game. Maybe the physicality isn't there, but they were firing on all cylinders in every single game that they played. And watching back on the clips when when my power came back on, uh, Saturday night and even <laughs> Sunday morning, this team is relentless. This team is always on the go. And I did not see this consistently last year, the year before and the year before that. I think something clicked in with this team that they want to perform right now. They want to be at their best. And now with the fans back in the stadium, that's adding more fuel to their fire. It's making them hungrier. And even Morgan Riley, I think it was Terry Koshin that said it best. You know, we're ready to roll. That's what I want to hear. They mean business right now. 
Yeah, I mean, how much of that comes from, you know, cameras and microphones following you around for a full season just for you to shit the bed in the first round? Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, that, that to me, that to me is motivation enough, right? Like mm-hmm. at that point, you you sit down and you say, look, we, you know, we let the fans down and, and we, we, we fucked up again. Like, um, you know, they need to be ready to rock. They, they're back in the Atlantic division. And, and as my, my post on the hockey writers a, a little while back said, you know, they're not a lock for a playoff spot. Um, yeah. and, and getting back to Nick Ritchie on the top line, like, look, I, I'm going to get absolutely torched for saying this, but I think he is a better fit on that top line than Zach Hyman ever was. Interesting. And I, I'm a huge Zach Hyman fan. I think Nick Ritchie, the, he's, He's he's the Hyman with a little less talent and a little bit more power forward. So yeah. his game his game reminds me of a poor man's Eric Lindros, mm-hmm. um, a guy that could go out there and bang bodies, open up, you know, you know, get loose pucks, play along the boards. Maybe not the best skater, but he's gonna he's gonna put everything on the line to get you the puck. And if you're playing on a line with him, you're gonna get your opportunities. And I think we could possibly see a season where maybe he puts up 20 goals. Um, you know, he's going to play on, uh, we, we saw him play a little bit on, on PP one there. Um, he's a guy that could potentially play on PP one for the Leafs. Um, I think he's going to complement the top Leafs top line more than Zach Hyman ever did. And I can see that, you know, quote me on it. Um, crucify me for it. Torch me if you need to. Um, I can take the heat, but that that's that's my hot take for the season. I, like I said, I can actually see that. And even Zach Hyman wasn't the best skater, but and that's and that's where I and that's where you come in, where you bring in Kasha, where you bring in Bunting, and you bring in Richie, where Richie brings in that more in-your-face element that was missing in Hyman's game. Bunting brings a speed. Kasha brings a two-way game. So I think the fact that, and I, and, and obviously, I know we are, we've repeated ourselves a bit, where even uh, when we talked about it on the lounge, where you try to find a replacement for Hyman, Nick Ritchie is definitely a viable, replaceable option for Zach Hyman. Now, in terms of point production this year, if Zach Hyman's played with McDavid, obviously Zach Hyman's going to get more points. But Nick Ritchie, his career best was 31 points. 26 last season, playing in that middle six role. I think he was playing mostly alongside David Krejci, if I'm not mistaken, or even Craig Smith. Um, I don't know how the lineup situation unfolded with the Boston Bruins. But if he's playing alongside two elite players and a shooter like Matthews and a playmaker like Marner, I think you could see a really good offensive career where maybe he does get 40 points. And that was usually the average before, you know, the the last few seasons with Zach Hyman, where he was a solid 40 point guy on a top line where others did the work and he was there to clean up all you know, the greasy goals and get in the dirty areas. So I think that is very possible. 
Yeah, give me give me thirty five points and in a, a, a fifty five point or goal season for Matthews and and I think I think Richie's done his job and that's exactly what they're looking for is a guy who's going to open up those lanes and, and and crash the net and, and get those pucks and um, you know this this could be the guy that they're they need on that top line to really not only not only open up those lanes but to to kind of you know, stand up for, for Matthews and Marner in situations mm-hmm. where they might need it. And not to say Hyman didn't, but not to the same level. And, and Rich yeah. is a guy who's not afraid to throw down the, throw down the gloves and you don't have to worry about them waiting for the next, you know, the next uh, whistle to get another line on, you know, it, it just, it, for me, it's, it, it, he's a guy that's going to bring a lot of tenacity to this, this lineup. And uh, I'm very excited to see how, how he starts out with, with, the Maple Leafs top line. Fun fact: Before we get on to our next topic, I'm just looking. I, I was uh, looking at Nick Ritchie's IMDb page. Nick Ritchie played in the same World Juniors as Andre Kasha and David Kampf in 2015, and Nick Ritchie won a gold medal with Team Canada. So you have that familiarity with Kasha and with Kampf as well. Obviously, they played against each other, but I don't know. I just found that very interesting. Yeah, no, it is. It is very interesting. I mean, it kind of dates us a little bit, but that's yeah, that's all right. That's six all right. years, you know, six years. Yeah. <laughs> um, last last note we want to kind of get to for the Maple Leafs. Aside from, I should mention Ilya Mikheyev uh, injured uh, in the last preseason game. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like a long term injury. This, I mean, this guy can't really catch a break. Uh, yeah. You know, from the wrist injury to what to what's going on now. Um, you know, it's devastating for him because he, 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 we were seeing some of that offensive upside kind of, you know, tick in the right direction at this point. Uh, and uh, for him to go down the way that he did, I mean, it's a great opportunity for other players, but, you know, for Mikheyev, it's, it's just another injury that uh, will set him back and, and he's going to need to work past that as well. Um, but I, I do want to get into the Dermot Lilligren um, conversation. Uh, Sandine Lilligren, obviously, two guys that, we would love to see kind of make their debuts uh, for well, I, I shouldn't say debuts, but you know, make the opening night roster. Uh, Travis Dermott is one guy that kind of stands in the way, and you know, Dermott received a lot of criticism in the playoffs. Was was scratched a couple games and uh, had one really, really bad giveaway. Um, but so far in the preseason, he's also the best. Leafs defenseman in terms of goals allowed per 60 minutes. So my question to you, Peter, do we even remotely talk about taking tra- uh, Travis Dermott out for, uh, for Lilligren or is this a conversation that, you know, is kind of a waste of time knowing damn well that Lilligren's not going to get the opportunity. Here's the thing. Keith was re- are I'm reading something or uh that Mark Masters posted recently and the headline is Lee still waiting for Dermot to take the next step. And he said this about Travis Dermot. I'm still waiting and I've had this uh, conversation with Travis for him to take that next step. Right now he's still in that mix with with Sandine and Lilligren and at this stage he wants to be a guy who's more established and taking that step. We're still looking for that. The fact that Keith played Dermot ahead of Lilligren in the final game was one or two things. 
one, the spot was Dermot, and he wanted to get the full lineup in or as close to game day for the opening night roster. And Lilligren was a seventh defenseman. Or I thought this, maybe Lilligren, and I, I noticed this, he had a very tremendous camp. Maybe he had such a profound impact and made his case that he deserves to be in the NHL and maybe in that top six and not the seventh defenseman that he's questioning Sheldon Keith and he's forcing his hand to make a difficult decision right now. Because throughout the whole entire preseason, I mean, you're not going to get the Timothy Lilligren that was expected of him to be an elite puck moving defenseman like he was in 2017, 2017 in his draft. But what he's done such a good job is negating zone entries, blocking players out, taking the lane away, angling the angling his positioning so that way nothing gets by him and he keeps the play to the boards. He did that so perfectly that that's the kind of shutdown defense that the Maple Leafs were lacking in the past few years, especially in that bottom six role. Zach Bogosian gun, Timothy Lilligren can be that guy to provide that impact and be that defensive stalwart but he also still we shouldn't disregard his strengths his speed his ability to make the long stretch passes and those breakout entries that's a factor that's going to play well into his hand Dermot on the other hand yeah he he was great at negating goals against and shots against as well but there were times where he just he would jump up into the play and it would cause an odd mad rush going the other way. And I think it was in that second game where he just did, he didn't look as comfortable compared to other players in the lineup. And that's not to say that he's still a bad player. He's still a really good player. It's just, those are the type of high risk moves that can hurt a team. And we saw that blind pass that he made in overtime in game six, bad move. They want that consistency. I think we see more of that consistency with Lilligren than we do with Dermot. And it's going to be interesting to see who gets that final spot right now. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think uh, it's about time that we see Lilligren. And, and the problem is right now is that the, Le- the Leafs need to make a move to, to get him in the lineup. Um, yeah. You don't want to see a guy go down with injury. Obviously, we want TJ Brody there. We want Muzz in there. Um, you know, Dermot has earned his spot. Hall has earned his spot. So it comes down to those bottom set or bottom two spots. And you know, I, I'd be foolish to say that Sandine won't be there. Um, and obviously, Morgan Riley's that sixth sixth player that's going to be on the back end. Obviously, not in that order. But mm-hmm. um, you know, so it, for me right now, look. Lilligren doesn't have a place. Um, with, with that said, I mean, you're talking about the defenseman of the year in the, the SHL at, at one point. He, he's a guy that, you know, deservingly, de- you know, should be NHL ready at this point. Um, and I think it comes down to opportunity. He he could be NHL ready. He just needs that, that opportunity. Um, so, I mean, I, I said it in our interview with Mark Masters about possibly Dermot being, the, you know, the odd man out and, and the Maple Leafs finding a way to move him uh, with, with the contract he has. But, you know, that was kind of shut down a little bit and, and understandably so. Uh, yeah. But at still some early. point, it's still very early on, but at some point the Leafs will need to move him, move somebody if they want to get 
a guy like Lilligren into the lineup. And, and their pipeline is full. Their pipeline is full. So they need to make some moves. And, mm-hmm. you know, we talk so much about how teams are built on the draft. And yet here we are talking about, you know, two leaf draft picks that could be fighting for a spot in the lineup at some point. So one yeah. thing I want to add, Mark Masters mentioned this. Dermot obviously um, was a healthy scratch to start the postseason as he lost his spot to Sandine. Now that maybe he, there's a lot more pressure on him right now where he could have been that, obviously, Sandine's defensive partner this time around, and there's more pressure on him to succeed, and Lilligren is slowly creeping up on him right now. So like you mentioned, if there's a point where maybe they need to move a defenseman, maybe is Travis Dermott that kind of guy? Because here's what I've noticed with this team as well. They're not as risky on the back end. And we see that with the – we already have Morgan Riley who jumps up in the direction quite a bit. But you see the play of Brody. You see the play of Muzzin. They want to have that stability on the back end. And they don't want to have – or this is how I'm seeing it. I don't think they want to have any more high-risk players to make those kind of jumps or decisions. You already have Riley for that. Dermot – likes to take those chances, and sometimes he does get caught. Lilligren plays a more steady and sound game. With also being paired with Rasmus Sandin, he's going to be the guy that's going to be doing the rushing a lot. You need someone capable on that back end. Lilligren has played quite a bit with Sandin in the AHL, so there's that familiarity there. They can feed off each other. Is this a point now where all, obviously all the pressure is on Dermot? Is is it, it, it this has to be make or break time for him and if for him to get and again consistency was a key word that Keith used consistency and I'm quoting from Masters uh, piece consistency in decision making consistency in ability to play physical and be hard on opponents and consistency in being relied upon as a penalty killer and taking consistent minutes there you did not see that much consistency in all those aspects in the preseason compared to Lilligren. Yeah, no, I com- I completely agree. And like I said, I think, you know, at some point you have to give him that opportunity. And w- without it, you're never going to see what you have in, in mm-hmm. Timothy Lilligren. So, uh, you know, and it's either an injury or, or a trade at some point. That it, That's the only way that you're going to see Lilligren get, get into the lineup at this point in time. And this is the big sticking point on Twitter. Everyone is saying, oh, everyone's like, you know, Wanting to trade Travis Dermott already. I mean, Travis Dermott is a really good defenseman. It's just right now, you're left with a really big decision right now on what type of defenseman you want to have. Do you want a player that's worked hard to be a strong two-way player and make those consistent decisions? Or do you still go with the high-octane offense and the high-play drive that Dermott does possess? Like, the Maple Leafs do have two really good defensemen. It's just you got to keep one. And at this point right now, Timothy Lilligren, despite being 22 and, you know, everyone is saying that he spent four years in the minors, 22 is still a young age. It's not over for him. And this is probably his best chance. And he made an impact. He made a statement. So it's going to be interesting to see how everything will fold there. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's going to be crazy to watch this team down the stretch. But um, before we close out here, Peter, 
anything you want to add to the podcast, anything you're working on, any, 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 anything, anything you got for us? Um, I'm working on, well, I'm, we talked about it already. I'm working on something involving Kerfoot and maybe is it the right time to try and move on from him as well? Um, we're in the process of that, obviously a little, a day delayed because, you know, no internet, nowhere to charge my laptop, but I'm back in the works doing that right now. Um, how about you, man? What have you got in the works? In the works, uh, I'm, you know, not a whole lot going on right now. I'm, I'm kind of taking a rest for Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, I do want to mention, though, I've been watching Squid Games on Netflix. And everyone loves that. If you haven't watched this, like, okay, here's the crazy part about it, though, is I walked up to a guy at work and I said, you know, like, have you been watching Squid Games? He's like, yeah, the crazy part is this could be going on right now. And I was like, I was blown away. Like he said, it so casually. And so like the expectation is that somewhere in some underground room that this thing's taking place. And it was like, I, I, I just walked away. Cause I did, I, <laughs> I had no response. I was, I was like, it might be one of the few times that I'm speechless at work. One of the few times that I literally had nothing to say back to this guy. And, um, yeah, so my wife and I are, are three episodes into that, and, and Jesus, what a, what a show that is. Uh, but aside from that, uh, next week we will have Alex back on the show. Uh, we're hoping to get a few guests going again as we head into to the start of the 2021-22 NHL season. As I mentioned, I have my big keeper pool draft tomorrow morning, so I'm excited for that. I'll let you guys know how that goes. Um, you know, other than that, Wednesday night, the Leafs Canadians get underway in a full 82 game season. Um, are we getting together for a game or what, Peter? I am down if you are. I Absolutely. really, I, I, I am down. Absolutely. I, I, mean, I think we got to figure this out. Are, are we, are we going to do this online? Are we, cause I'm, it, I'm, I'm thinking we got to get to a game. I, I, I honestly think after, game. after, Let's get to an actual game. Two two years of of you know hockey without fans and and now you know full capacity here in Ontario. Um, you know shit's going wild in Ontario, folks. But everything uh, no, everything is happening right now. Everything is everything. Happening. <laughs> You're and right. You know what? I I would not honestly. If there's one thing that's going to break the bank for me, especially right now. It's buying Maple Leafs tickets, and I would probably have no regrets considering the fact that the last time I was at a Leaf game was probably early October of 2019, and that was that feels like a distant memory for me. So yeah, I'm down to do a sticks in the six meetup and have some have some fun, have some laughs, watch a game. Why not? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get Alex in on that conversation. We'll hopefully figure something out. But folks, uh, as always, you know, we, we appreciate you sitting in and, and tuning into uh, us jabbering on about the game of hockey, the game that we're all so passionate about. Um, you know, 56 episodes. Uh, we're top 20 in Portugal. We're, you know, top 15, top 20 in Germany. Uh, we even cracked 
the top 70 in Canada in terms of hockey podcasts. So what you guys do for us is, is truly amazing. Um, you know, for us to, to be able to do what we're doing. Uh, I do have to mention, I am the men's league golf champion here at Hickory Ridge in London, you know, golfing for five, six years and to, to, to be named a golf champion. Uh, it was pretty, pretty crazy. But, um, aside from that, uh, Peter, let's, uh, let's give it a rest for the week. And uh, we'll come back with Alex next week. Um, but thank you guys for tuning in. Episode 56 of the podcast. You can follow Peter on Twitter at P. Barracchini. You can follow myself at Andrew G. Forbes. Or follow our co-host Alex Hobson at Hobson A 16 You can also follow the podcast at Sticks in the Six Pod. That's S-T-I-X-I-N-T-H-E-6-I-X-P-O-D. Head over to Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you download your podcast to listen. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you rate whatever you can do to help us out. Uh, and definitely check out our YouTube channel at Sticks in the Six. Give us a, give us a subscribe and why not comment? Get involved. Let's get the conversation going. Uh, as always, we appreciate you. And Peter, until next week, have a great night. Absolutely. 